The Boost Podcast is sponsored in part by Reveal Wealth. Let the professionals at Reveal Wealth assist you on your financial journey. From individual financial planning, family financial planning, business planning, insurance planning, and more, Reveal Wealth's holistic approach gives you the freedom to take control of your financial security. No matter your age or stage in life, the professionals at Reveal Wealth are ready to assist. Contact them now for a free initial consultation. Go to WeRevealWealth.com. That's WeRevealWealth.com. Or call 410-928-8081. Take control of your financial security by allowing Reveal Wealth to serve you. WeRevealWealth.com. That's WeRevealWealth.com. Or call 410-928-8081. And tell them you heard about them on the Boost Podcast. Welcome to the Boost Podcast with Kelly Leonard. The podcast providing you with immediate access to tools, tips, and tactics to boost your business and career success. Build your brand, optimize relationships, obtain more leads, secure thought leadership space, and tap into new markets. It's the Boost Podcast. And now, here's Kelly Leonard. Hello and welcome back to the Boost Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Leonard. Paul Halmey is a best-selling author, international speaker, financial advisor, and a Brazilian jiu-jitsu world champion. To entrepreneurs, he is the secret weapon they don't want their competitors to know about. He's a former stockbroker who built his business into one of the most successful gyms in the United States. He creates high six-figure offline businesses for his clients, and the parts of Boost that we'll cover are Build Your Brand and Tap into new markets. Hey, Paul, welcome to the Boost Podcast. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Excited. (laughs) Yeah, I'm excited too. I think I was telling you a moment ago that I feel all powerful being (laughs) in the presence of an MMA person. And so, but for folks who are hearing your name for the first time, tell us a little bit more about your background and the work that you do. Yeah, it's been pretty diverse. I guess I had the typical, you know, American growing up story of like, you know, go to try to go to college, go to college get a job, get married, have kids, chase a corporate ladder, and then kind of be like, Oh, I don't like this that much. And then make the jump in entrepreneurship and then, you know, learn how to swim real fast <laughs> as you're drowning. And then became good at what I do as far as consulting and helping other gyms. And then that led to people need more and more help and pick it up and helping more and more people. So it's been a lot of fun. Good stuff. Good stuff. Now, and it's <laughs> funny that you say typical, you know, go to college, get a good job, all that good stuff. And we live in a time and space where it's like so many people are pursuing atypical or, you know, just sort of alternative careers, especially as college becomes more unaffordable for so many people. So it's, it's funny how, how oftentimes what is a traditional role, meaning going to college and finding a job actually ends up for a lot of people becoming entrepreneurs. And so then it makes one scratch ahead to say, okay, well, um, it's almost like it feels like, okay, if entrepreneurism in, is in your blood, maybe hold off on going to college. I don't know. <laughs> but I would love to hear more about just sort of your journey as an entrepreneur, because I mean, you did mention that you started more traditionally. And so what caused you to go into the line of work that you're currently in? 
Yeah, it was pretty crazy. Like I said, I did everything, you know, it was funny because my generation, it was like, you had to go to college or you had no hope. It's weird. Now it's cool because you're seeing a big shift now where you don't have to go to college and you have tons of hope. So the system, you know, everything's changing and it's interesting to see. But when I grew up, it was like, you know, if you didn't go to college, you're going to struggle your whole life. So basically what you're told. So I was like, okay, I better go to college. So I did all that and became a stockbroker, which I love that. That gave me such a great financial education that I didn't have growing up. I didn't understand money. My parents never talked about money. Then they were complaining about it. So being around money and people that had money and realizing they were just normal people that saved money. They didn't do anything amazing. And I'm like, Oh, this is really cool. And then, so I really enjoyed it. But then my f- best friend who was fighting the UFC at the time, he was getting super busy. I'd help him at his gym. And I was like, man, you got a lot of freedom. I mean, you work a lot of hours, but you know, you got a lot of freedom. You do your own thing. And then I was like, I'm pretty good at helping with this stuff. Maybe I should open my own gym someday. And then my wife was like, yeah, maybe you should try. And we, we tried and it, it was definitely a challenge at first. And then once you figured it out and the systems, you know, it's been the most rewarding thing ever. And then I got really good at running my gym and I'd never really won anything. I wasn't famous. Like a lot of my friends are. And people would ask me, well, how's your gym successful? You know? And I'm like, well, I just do business things. And like, what are business things? And I'm like, well, marketing sales, retention. And they're like, oh, that helps. And then another friend and I started a consulting company. We've been doing that. And that was going great up until 2020. Cause when you're consulting for non-essential businesses, you're not very essential. So mm. as 2020 was a, a big time slap in the face, it was tough. It was a battle, but we just kept fighting. You know, we kept re 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 doing the businesses, both of them, the brick and mortar and the consulting, and then just trying to find what worked. And then now we're finally feeling like, Oh my God, things are finally getting a little better, but you know, it took a good, a good while to even be able to rebuild from it all. Yeah. And you bring up a really good point because, and you know, because so many of our listeners are entrepreneurs at heart. And so they're really good at their trade, but they may not be very good at business. And so you did mention (laughs) the fact that, and because so many of us have a very unique or interesting, uh, a love hate affair with money and finance, it then that further complicates things because of course, so much of, of, of business rises and falls on our ability to really manage our finances. And so from your estimation, what would you say is the biggest issue you see um, with business business finances when working um, with a company? The, the biggest one, if it's, if it's a smaller like entrepreneur, like a smaller operation, they don't have, you know, they're they feel like if they don't think about it or talk about it, it's all going to be okay. <laughs> it's mm. like, it's like, you know, you might get away with that in your, in your, your regular life, which still isn't the best model, but in a business, you have to understand your numbers. And I try to get them to think differently about it. Like embrace the numbers, you know, learn to understand the numbers. I always joke around anybody I work with. I'm like, treat yourself like you're a public corporation, like your Apple or your Google or your Microsoft. It's like, you know, you should know your quarterly numbers. You should know your annual numbers and then make it a game. Like, how do I beat this number? What do I do to, you know, increase our sales? And what do I do to cut down on our expenses and make it less intimidating? Cause a lot of people, especially in my world, a lot of entrepreneurs don't get the intense, you know, financial background of like, Hey, you need to understand your P and L's and this and this, and people freak out. So I try to really simplify it down and just make it fun. Like, you know, just know your numbers, pretend you're, you know, a publicly traded company. And if you're married, you know, talk to your spouse a lot about it and stuff like that, you know, and just really get used to talking about money. The thing we grew up, I grew up with, you didn't talk about money. So it's like, you know, I'm trying to rewire that for my clients, like talk about money all the time. Yeah. Well, so what are practical ways? And even when you think about how you're encouraging your clients to either, well, because I think first and foremost, it's like, you have to really learn about money before you can even feel comfortable. And I think it's because people feel like, well, they're either 
uneducated or miseducated when it comes to to money. And so because of that, there is this um, propensity to just sort of, well, like to your earlier point, if I ignore it, it'll go away. But <laughs> yes, away. that's the point. If you ignore it, it will go away. And I'll money is one more. of those things that you... <laughs> <laughs> you do not want it to go away. And so what are some of those practical ways that you um, support or encourage entrepreneurs in particular to really learn about money so that they do become more comfortable with talking about it? Yeah. The first thing I tell them is, you know, if they don't have a bookkeeper yet, you know, a lot of them are still doing their own taxes on TurboTax and they're like, I'm trying to save money. I'm like, well, maybe you are, maybe you're not. And you might run into a huge problem later on, but I said, at least have a bookkeeper go find, you can find really affordable bookkeepers now, but start understanding what books look like. I talk to entrepreneurs all the time and I'm like, oh, let's look at your P and L's. And they're like, what's P and L? And I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, all right. And then but I don't want to scare them off. So I'm like, don't worry. It's no big deal. We'll, we're going to understand this because there's so much power in a P and L that they don't understand. And I'm like, just really just get a cheap, basic bookkeeper, somebody that puts all your stuff in order and you can look at it and you see it on paper and you're like, oh man, like in my industry, I know like July and December are the two worst months, no matter what I do. So it's like, okay, if July and December are bad, that's when we have different sales. We order in special like uh, t-shirts to sell, little things that can offset things because I can see it on paper. But in my head, I'm kind of like, I don't know what's good, what's bad. But when you look at it and you can see where your costs are, where things are, and then they start to feel better. And I tell them, it's like, I said, because you want to have good P&Ls because eventually you want to establish a good relationship with a bank, yeah. get a business line of credit. And the first thing they're going to ask for when you go in for a business line of credit, they're like, hey, I need your last two-year P&Ls and your last two-year tax returns. And a lot of times people get frustrated and they never finish the paperwork because they just have the tax returns. I'm like, just get P&Ls and start to understand them. If you don't understand them, you know, everybody Google is the most powerful thing in the world. If you understand a PL, just Google what you're looking for and you'll find a great explanation of what it is. And once you get past that in that little intimidation factor, then you start to be like, Hey, I really can do this. <laughs> I can really, I can manage my money. Yeah. And it's so interesting because, and I know for those who are listening, who are like, P&L, P&L, profit yeah, loss Sorry, yes, so, exactly. Yeah, profit loss statement. <laughs> it is all good. I mean, you're talking my love language because I'm a I'm a recovering CPA. So I'm oh, very wow. So, yeah, you know. Yes. So you see yes. all the nightmares. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. But to your point, it's like when I think of even like from very early education, how, you know, we make a lot of assumptions, even in the way that we educate young people around this notion of the, the fundamentals of even money and money management and understanding money. And those things aren't necessarily taught. And so the onus is on sort of the family unit to share, okay, what is money put to your point? Most people don't talk about money mm. um, because it's just really uncomfortable. It can be an uncomfortable conversation because it's like people are so focused on the lack thereof that they may have. And so then that feels some kind of way where it's like, well, I don't want to really, you know, I don't want to reveal my flaws, so to speak. But to your point, it's also very important to understand at least where you are, because in knowing where you are, then it's like, OK, now we can plan a path for where we're going. And I also appreciate the fact that you mentioned, you know, a bookkeeper, because a lot of people initially entrepreneurs are thinking, oh, well, I can't afford a CPA, but it's like, okay, you may not necessarily need a CPA starting out the gate or a tax attorney or a tax accountant or what have you, but it's just getting those fundamentals down. So I really appreciate you sharing that because I think to your point about 2020, what COVID pointed out. And when you talk about like PPP and, oh, yeah. and things like that is that a lot of folks who were running legitimate businesses did not necessarily qualify for PPP because they didn't have a lot of the paperwork and documentation in order. And so Thank you for also pointing out the fact that, okay, it's like, make sure that you're building relationships, getting a good bank or having a, you know, a book. Was huge. Place, th 
these individuals and resources in place so that when you need them, you're not having to scramble. And I learned the hard way with that too. In 2020, I was lucky because I had like when they said that, Hey, you need this paperwork. I'm like, cool. I I was like my bookkeeper. I'm like, Hey, I need this, 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 and this. I need my payroll 940s. You know, like, okay, they sent it all to me. And I'm like, all right, good. And then at the time I'd been dealing with the big national bank chain. And then you realize that you're not very, you're not very important. <laughs> so then I've learned, and it's funny because I didn't really understand the power of like local credit unions, small yes. local banks, they will help you. They will work with you. They're amazing. They made all the PPP stuff so simple. And it was like, you know, then like two months later, the big banks like, Hey, do you want to submit your paperwork? And I was like, no, I don't want to do anything with you people ever again. <laughs> so yeah, banking relationships are huge because you know, it's, it's like that old saying, when you need money no one's going to give it to you, but when you don't need it, they're going to give you lines of credit. They're going to give yes. you business credit, you know, lots of business credit. So it's like establish those things now. So you have them. Yeah, absolutely. So let's change gears a bit because I know you gently slid into the early in the conversation <laughs> that you're a former uh, stockbroker. And so share with us, like, what are some of the best ways for people to get started when it comes to investing? So you know, they've gotten their, their life, their money house in order. And now they've got some additional money and they're think, thinking, okay, I want to play with this. Money. Well, I don't want to use play too loosely, yeah. but I want to <laughs> exactly. invest this money. I want to do something. I want my money to grow. I want my money to work for me. So what are some of the best ways for people to get started? Oh yeah. And, and the biggest thing is I tell people is just get started. I talk to people all the time. And they're like, well, when I have money, I'm going to do this. Or when I have money, I'm going to do that. And I'm like, you're not going to get there because as you make more money, we all know, what do we do? We upgrade our lifestyle. And it's like the more money we make, it's like the nicer dinners we go to, the nicer car we have, the nicer watch we have. It's like, so I tell people the biggest thing you can do and love them or hate them, Robinhood really improved this a lot because they created so many different things with fractional share investing. Because before, like if you wanted to buy a share of Amazon, before it split, it was like $4,000. And the average person's like, I can't buy a share of Amazon. Mm-hmm. And then you can buy fractional shares. So if people don't know what that means is basically you could just say, Hey, I want to buy a hundred dollars of Amazon every first of every month. And so you're not buying a whole share, you're just buying fractions. So you can get started buying the companies you believe in and you like. But what I tell people is don't be afraid to walk into these places. Everybody's like, Oh, I got to be a millionaire to walk into a Schwab office or a fidelity or a Meritrade. I'm like, no, you just got to be a person because they get paid on new accounts. They get paid on helping people. Obviously. Yeah. If you got a bunch of money, you're going to get really good service. If you don't have a lot of money, you're going to get basic service, but basic service is better than, you know, waiting 20 years from now. So I tell them, you know, go to two different ones, you know, pick like maybe you go to, Oh, I'm going to go to Schwab and fidelity, go in there, both tell them your situation. And what they, they have so many amazing tools. They'll tell you like, okay, you're, 35 years old, you want to retire at 65. So you got 30 years to go. And they'll go through what your risk tolerance is. How do you feel like when the market goes up, market goes down? And they'll give you like sample portfolios of like, hey, this is what you need to do. Put $500 a month away for the next 30 years at 10% interest. And you're going to have this much money. And the problem is when I tell people that one, they're like, oh, it's so boring. That's so long. I want to buy the next Dogecoin and some NFTs. And I'm like, you could still dabble in that stuff. Like I tell clients, I'm like, have dabble money where if it goes to zero, you're like, oh man, that sucked. But you're not like going, oh, I refinanced the house to buy crypto, you know, right. but just get started. That's the biggest tip I give people is like, and people will be like, I had, I've had people on the, all the time come to me and they're like, man, thank you. I got started. Now I've got 10 grand or I've got 20 grand or 50 grand. And they're like, I don't know what to do. This is like so cool. And I'm like, well, it's going to be even cooler when it gets to a hundred grand and then 500 grand. And then, you know, let me know when you get to a million and then we'll go have dinner or something. It's like, because I, I firmly believe it and it's all mathematical and emotional, taking the emotion out of it. Anybody can ha- become a millionaire mm-hmm. with time. It's just yeah. a matter of time. It, you have to put the money away every month and not sell and like, don't panic. And everybody's like, Oh my God, the market's going to zero. And it's like, is it? It's like, we've survived a lot of really bad things. And what happens after the bad thing happens, the market goes up. 
Yeah. But we panic. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess the the whole diversification thing is mm. key as well. And so are there particular, like when you look at where we are um, just globally, are there particular industries? Because like in the, the back of my mind, I'm thinking, oh, okay, infrastructure, things like that, where we know yeah. that, you know, with solar and with electric vehicles and things like that, like there's certain trends, like what are ways that folks who are listening in can sort of be up to up to speed to be able to spot trends and then be able to take advantage of a trend really quickly? Because what I find is that oftentimes, you know, folks are, are really slow to recognize a trend. And for me, um, you know, it's to your earlier point, it's like, oh, I just like the company. So I yep. invest in it, but that may not be the best investment, <laughs> you know? And so what, what's your advice in that, in that regard? Yeah. Trends can be huge. I mean, you think about it, like when all this stuff happened in 2020, we all thought in our head, like, man, I should really buy these vaccine companies. Yeah. But then never did. And, mm-hmm. or like Peloton was like, nobody can go to a gym and Peloton goes through the roof. Obviously now you see that the gyms are back and Peloton's crashing. So the only scary thing with trends sometimes is they can go down as fast as they go up. So a really good thing. And, and hopefully people have listened, I've heard of Warren Buffett. If you haven't Google yes. him, he's one of the greatest investors of all time. One of the greatest mm-hmm. businessmen of all time. Mm-hmm. And he keeps things so simple and he actually has it that when he dies, the majority of his money goes to the S&P 500 into a trust for his wife because he he is at the belief that most people can't beat the S&P 500, Standard & Poor 500, which means the 500 best companies around. So, And it's always changing. So it's, it's like you're having someone manage the 500 best companies. So it takes the, the guesswork out of it and you can kind of see. But if you want to follow trends, look at the top 10 of the S&P 500. And it's always changing. You can kind of see where like the big money is really going. And that's what some of my friends will do is always keep an eye on the top 10 and look for trends there. And then my other friends and kind of me for longer term money, they'll just put my SP 500 and be like, man, I can't beat the SP 500. It's like, I'm just going to let them do it. You know, and then it pays out a dividend and which basically is, you know, capital that gets reinvested into the, the stock itself too. So you can buy more and more shares and everything. But yeah, Warren Buffett model is, is pretty consistent. Gotcha. So let's shift gears a bit and talk about passive income because I know that's something that you're passionate about as well. And so, um, and, and I think in this day and age, and especially because as people are watching the market do its things, passive income becomes really important. So is passive income really attainable for the average person? It is. And I, I just put a little, I, I like to put like a quotation around it. It's very attainable, but the stuff people sell you to try to sell you overnight, like, oh my God, you know, invest in this and you're going to get. 20% passive income. We all saw what happened with that. A lot of those things imploded in the last year. Mm-hmm. So I, I tell people you go through, like, I call it three phases. The first phase is getting started, you know, kind of figuring out where you're at and setting up your automations. Second one is just accumulating money. So you're just constantly investing money because what's going to happen. And we see this a lot when I deal with people that have money or they come from money is they have the capital to do things that we couldn't understand or I couldn't understand growing up. My parents didn't understand. And I see it now where I've been doing this for 20 something years. And now deals will come along where guys I'll I'll meet some people through a marketing thing. And I'm like, Hey, I saw you guys bought like some smoothie shops. Like, Oh yeah, we got this private equity deal. We're all pulling money together. I'm like, well, what do you do? And they're like, well, you just put in money and then you get checks every quarter. And then when we sell the thing, you get your multiple payout. And I was like, how do I sign up for this? Where, where's this been my whole life? <laughs> and then I tell people, I'm like, well, I want to do that. And I'm like, well, I want you to do that too, but you got to do the basics. It's like going back to Michael Jordan and before every game, he's practicing chess passes and everything. He's not doing 360 dunks to warm up. So right. I tell people, it's great to get there, but if you want to do it the right way in the long-term way, you have to build the foundation first. And as that grows and you start creating more assets and creating more net worth, 
crazy opportunities open up or things even before 2020, I didn't realize these existed. I was like, this is crazy. There's real estate, real estate syndications. People can get in on there's Mm -hmm. private equity syndications, small businesses. And to me, it's like, it's the future, I think. And I'm hoping eventually it becomes less restrictive with like, well, you have to be an accredited investor to do it and all these crazy things, which I'm super against because I don't, I don't think that's more dangerous than buying Dogecoin. It's like, but you could, people could put their $50,000 in Dogecoin, but they can't put $50,000 into a real estate syndication. That's buying a physical apartment building, which everybody knows, like if you own an apartment building, you're making really good passive income. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a great way for just a person that doesn't have a ton. Like it's like, okay, you may not have a million dollars to, you know, <laughs> buy an apartment building oh, on, yeah. on Park Avenue, but to just be able to invest a little bit and still be in the real estate game is, is really effective. So, um, so yeah, thank you for that. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely, Paul. So as we're winding down our time mm-hmm. together, and if there's folks who are tuning in that want to learn more about sort of your work and, and just reconnect with you and explore ways that you might be able to help them in their business, what are the best ways for folks to connect with you? The best one is probably my blog right now. It's just www.paulhalmy.com. And then you'll see the blog on there. I usually update articles and, you know, give out different uh, things I'm working on, different things that I see. And then of course, Instagram is my favorite social media. It's just a happier place than all the other ones. (laughs) And that's just uh, Instagram.com forward slash P-A-U-L period H-A-L-M-E. And yeah, I always, I love it. Instagram is my favorite thing. You get to see behind the scenes, what people are doing. Like I'm a big travel junkie. So it's like, you'll see me doing, you know, trying to travel hack flights and hotels and stuff. Nice. Okay. So random question. Where's the last place you visited? Uh, Bangkok, Thailand. Oh, cool. And what's your favorite <laughs> when you reflect on all the different places you visited? What's your favorite spot? This is going to sound funny. The exact same place. <laughs> I, I love Thailand. It's crazy. It, it's, it, it's, it's a different thing because in my world, there's a lot of martial arts training, a lot of things like that. But the best trip I've ever taken was my 20th anniversary. It took my wife there and I did everything right. I travel hacked the whole thing. So we flew business class there and stayed at the uh, St. Regis and then business. Oh. I mean, it was it was like the most amazing 20 year anniversary present. You know, I, I planned it out for two years, was saved up a whole bunch of airline miles and points. Nice. Yeah, I love the food, the people, just the culture is amazing. So that's definitely my favorite place. Awesome. Well, Paul, this was extraordinary. Thank you so much for sharing those nuggets of wisdom. <laughs> definitely appreciate you and the work that you do. So thank you for your time. The Boost Podcast serves an energetic community of business leaders, entrepreneurs, and individuals who are growth-minded. If you, your business, or organization would like to share your service, product, or expertise with the Boost Podcast community, contact Kelly Leonard. Email kelly.leonard at taylor-leonard.com. Again, that's kelly.leonard at taylor-leonard.com. Well, that concludes this episode of the Boost Podcast. Thank you again for listening in. If you don't mind, if you could like, subscribe, or share the podcast with a friend, I would greatly appreciate it. For more information on anything Boost related, you can visit our website at www.kellytleonard.com. Thank you.